you know, loyalty is not about, you know, you know, transactional point system anymore, although that can certainly be a part of loyalty. You know, it's really about you know, building a connection with the brand, you know, for a greater purpose. You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. I'm thrilled today to have our guest, Melissa Berger, uh, on our podcast here today. Uh, Melissa is EVP of Strategy, CRM, and Loyalty at Digitas. Uh, Melissa, it's great to have you. You want to say hi? Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm passionate about data and all things loyalty. So big day today. Great, Melissa. Uh, you know, so Melissa and I were connecting the other day, and we were just talking about loyalty. You know, and really how you know in today's age with you know, with COVID and you know, potential looming recession, how it's more important than ever. And really, you know, in this episode, we'll be talking about uh, what the core components are to build an, uh, an effective loyalty strategy. You know, you know, really starting with top level business KPIs. You know, thinking about business objectives, and then going all the way down. You know, into some implementation details and measurement. You know, as well. But you know, Melissa, maybe to kick things off, maybe you can just talk about why today loyalty is is more critical than ever, uh, and and what you're seeing around uh, you know brands and how they're orienting to this relative to the rest of their of their budgets. Absolutely. So I think a few things is customers, humans, people are just not as loyal as they used to be. They're looking for ease. They're looking for convenience and frankly, lower costs, especially to your point going to this recession. So they're comparing you to the experience they just had, not necessarily just your competitors anymore. Um, I think brands are realizing that they need to invest now for the longer term focus of driving loyalty for their customers. And interestingly enough, just within Digitas, our loyalty asks have increased tenfold over the last 12 to 18 months. So I think partly the pandemic, people said, oh, I need to get some of my foundational elements in place, which we absolutely agreed with. And then now there's a scramble um, kind of again coming out of the pandemic and, and things getting a little bit back to normal, but then going into this recession saying, I really need to make sure that we're driving value and increasing loyalty for customers. So that's been a really interesting conversation. Um, another thing we've talked about is, you know, loyalty is not just a program necessarily anymore. It's more about, again, that kind of value exchange. Um, there's rational and emotional benefits that clients have to understand. And it's just not as simple as it used to be. Yep. No, and certainly I imagine pre and post COVID, you know, the way brands have oriented, you know, to loyalty, you know, you know, pre COVID, you know, for brands that were traditionally offline, uh, you bring that you now, now digital on uh, having to juggle that, you know, during the pandemic, entirely digital context. And now the people are starting to go back to, to real life, uh, you know, hybrid context. There's a stat in the Wall Street Journal, I guess, last month now that showed that e-commerce trend lines are exactly where they would have been had the pandemic never hit, which is really hard to imagine. That is you know, so you have this world where you had, you know, a very, very sharp, you know, peak up and to the right, uh, you know, and then a decline and, and now back on the exact same you know, trajectory, but brands are in a very different place around their you know, technical capabilities. You know, so I'm sure you're seeing a ton of that as well across your customer base. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think everyone's just kind of trying to figure out what can they balance the customer need and the business need? I think that's a challenge. We know, we've heard from some clients are actually losing a ton of money on loyalty. Guess what? I think going back to the purpose of your podcast, they didn't start with the customer data. They didn't look at what those customers are doing. They didn't look at how they're engaging with the brand. And then they also didn't consider what that means from a business perspective. Um, so we're actually helping assess 
failing programs as well these days. Yeah, that's great. So maybe we can talk about instead of focusing on the failures, but you know, talk about <laughs> focus on the on the opportunity uh, you know, as a classic consultant. Uh, <laughs> but what what does an effective loyalty strategy look like from your perspective? And a customer comes to you and says, you know, Melissa, I'm really trying to you figure out the best way to do this. You know, how do you also think about outcomes and 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 goals and uh, and objectives uh, as well? Yeah. And we started to talk about this a little bit, but an effective loyalty strategy at the end of the day starts with knowing your customers. So we want to assess their current behavior, match the needs of the business, like I mentioned. But the part that a lot of brands skip that we feel is super foundational is the research and validation. So it's really that upfront understanding what their needs are and then being able to validate it later to make sure the program is going to be successful. Um, And I think, again, the evolution of point strategies, it's not just about earn and burn anymore. The majority of the programs that we're designing have different components. You're getting points or punches or some sort of reward for engaging with content, for sharing with friends. Um, for talking about your experiences versus the kind of old school loyalty program, which was you did action, you received points, and then you could burn those, whether it was for an airline ticket, a hotel room, um, or you know something of tangible value that's arriving in your mailbox. Now that still exists, but what we're seeing is most of the um, clients and most of the brands are not doing that in just, you know, a siloed impact. And I think for us, we think about kind of four areas of, you know, loyalty. So one, making people feel personally recognized, right? And that can be done through collecting first party data, leveraging it, really providing that kind of personalized experience. Second, just making you feel rewarded. And that can be as simple as I'm sure you've seen all the year in review type of communications that go out. People love those. It's amazing how much actual revenue you can drive from just saying, Thank you for being a great customer. Making people's lives easier, another real key component um, that's really important to loyalty. And then lastly, I think the sense of community has really increased. And that's been an area that we see a lot of the conversation. Um, Brands need to really focus on social CRM as well and the listening, responding, engaging, um, because I think so many of these customers also are passionate about a brand and they want to talk about it and they want to talk to people who are in a similar situation or enjoying the same products or services as well. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. Just reflecting, you know, broader trends around digitization. You know, if you have a, a loyalty program that historically may have been very transactional, you know, if that's complemented with you know going to the grocery store and having the same person who who bags your groceries every single week, then you can have that sort of one-to-one interaction of sorts. You know, move it to a digital context, and suddenly it's a faceless brand with no meaning, and you know, and then you have customers who are trying to game the loyalty program instead of actually using it and engaging with the product and the services for the right reason. You know, it makes a ton of sense to me when I sort of think about the importance of personalization, um, you know, really making sure that the brand is able to develop, you know, you know, an authentic relationship with the customer, you know, and really reflect to the customer, you know, hey, this is all the great stuff we've done together. Yeah, you know, these are the reasons why uh, you continue to use our service. We actually you know, power Resi's you know, year and review email, which is one of my favorite examples of some of the, the work we do there. And it's super cool. I mean, you know, you know being a Brooklyn resident myself, uh, you know, we go to my wife and I go to restaurants in Brooklyn and Manhattan and, you know, you know come December or January, right around the you know, end of the year, whenever it goes out. You know, get a nice review of the Italian and Japanese food in the neighborhoods um, you know, that we sort of dined at. And it's certainly something that helps me recognize, you know, the importance that Resi played in that in that role because, yeah. you know, in the absence of that email, I'll, I'll, my wife and I will think about where we ate and we'll think about the restaurants, you know, but Resi might not be part of the conversation. You put Resi in front of the picture and they, you know, draw that kind of experience. It really can be, uh, those kinds of things can really be transformative. So that makes a ton of sense from my perspective. 
Yeah. And we've worked with a, an airline brand for many, many years. And so much of the focus forever was, again, you sat in a seat on a plane, right? And you got your points. Well, they've really extended kind of the travel ribbon and getting points across the ecosystem. And one of the flips we made with them a few years ago was really going to more of the lifestyle brand and having it as, where are we taking you? Where like Where's your end destination? And, and how is that affecting your life versus the purpose or you know being on a plane? So we thought that was a really important flip to focus on like, where are we actually taking you and how are you enjoying that time versus the getting there, which is really interesting. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, you know, I think as, you know, sort of marketers today, what we've seen as they get more sophisticated, they start thinking about the customer experience more broadly, yeah. you know, not necessarily the, you know, the, the bits and the functionality of the products that they're selling. Yeah. So, you know, you know, many of the, you know, we work with several airline brands and so we work with several airlines rather and fundamental to, you know, you know, many of their strategies is focusing on where you're going. You know, let's not talk about the three hours in a tin can, you know, when you're eating some Triscuits, uh, you know, and some Diet Coke, you know, let's talk about going, visit, going and visiting the Grand Canyon or let's talk about, let's talk about, you know, going to Miami uh, and going swimming, you know, and really just, you know, reorienting around that a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know we've, we've talked a little bit just around like even assessing loyalty and like how, how we start to even think about developing something. One of the pieces that I think will be near and dear to your heart is really that exploratory data analysis. I think that's something that again, really helps us start off to understand customer targets, prioritizing them, making sure that we're focused on the right type of customer segments. And you know, when you start to design a loyalty program, there's so many pieces of information that really need to be fed in. And again, in order for it to be successful. So I think for us, you know, we we do a lot of modeling work. We really try to understand exactly what the outcomes should and can be in order to make sure that we're kind of meeting the needs across the, the full ecosystem. Yeah, no, that's a ton of, that makes a ton of sense to me. I don't know if you have any examples that you can share uh, around some nuggets of insight, you know, that maybe you would have discovered across, you know, you know, one of uh, one of your customers around, you know, just better understanding, you know, the customer journey within the loyalty or, or anything related to that. Yeah, um, you know, I'm a connection strategist by trade. And so one of the the main things that we do and love to do is map that customer journey. And the reality is, is some clients have a ton of data and we've done them for a couple of retailers, um, extremely data driven. Every single point in the journey, every single um, step is very highly data driven. Um, but the reality is, is we don't always get that level of access or a level of data from everyone. So then we're kind of doing a mix of bringing in third party data sources we have access to. But yeah, for most of our clients, we're doing some sort of kind of like journey experience and really trying to make sure that we're finding the gaps and being able to kind of match. So there's a streaming service that we've been working with. um, And a lot of that was really focused on the journey and where we thought the biggest opportunities were to engage with the customers. And it's, it's helped be more of a successful program that way. Yeah, no, that's great. And and look, with, with many of these things, we find that our savviest customers always, you know, have a, a great mix of strong hypothesis and qualitative understanding of what a great experience is. Yep. You know, and then you know, somewhere between a, a good, you know, and ideally better than good, you know, points of visibility into what their customers are actually doing. You know, at the end of the day, if you look at the data, you know, it can it can support a story. Yeah. You know, the story needs to start with really understanding, you know, what does great look like, and you know, when my customers are really you know, engaging with my products and the brand, uh, you know, what does that feel like? You know, you know what does that look like? Um, you know, and data needs to be a, a supporting, you know, a supporting point to that that can you know, show you if it's not working. Or if it is, we'll certainly not you know, pave the way and tell you the entire story on its own. 
Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of have a matrix approach too, where we kind of look at the brand we're, you know, working with the revenue that it can bring in, the expense that it's going to have. And then you want to weigh that again, kind of like the customer benefit, the business benefits, the mandatories you need for a program. So lots of different components go into determining what the right structure and program should be. Um, and, you know, again, some uh, some are highly, highly data-driven. Those are the ones we prefer. Um, others, we're, we're being as scrappy as possible and, and helping them inform wherever we can, whether it's with research and, you know, more of an attitude or we're able to pull from some third-party sources. Got it. So maybe we can then talk about your details around execution and implementation. We were talking a little bit earlier and you know, every business is a little bit different relative to their resources and their people and their team and their systems, their technologies. But what are some of the major uh, you know, considerations that you look for and sort of guide customers towards you know, you know, when actually being able to effectively execute a loyalty program? Yeah. Um, so again, foundationally, the technology is so important. And obviously, we just had a whole conversation about the data that has to be connected in um, appropriately into the platform side. But I think that's the other hardest decision for a brand is what's the right platform. There are some that do very well out of the box. Um, and we there are some that really can't do that at all and you have to do more customized. So part of it is, you know, we are tech agnostic at Digitas. We do have partners that we leverage more frequently based on you know client preference. So a lot of what we're helping clients assess, and it's more of a consulting type offering, is determining kind of the right technology. Um, and you know, as we put together roadmaps, we kind of have obviously our, our strategy with when we are looking at the research we talked about, then we start to identify the technology, get it implemented. At the same time, we want to start creating all the assets that are needed in order to deploy that kind of full omni-channel ecosystem around loyalty. Because I do think that's another place where you can get behind. You kind of forget about all the other communications that need to be created when you're implementing a, a loyalty program. Yep. No, that, that that makes a ton of sense. And certainly, you know, MarTech, you know, as much as, or if not more so than, than any other category, you know, the diversity of technology and, and providers and, you know, considerations is, is, is very, very high. It's very high. And I think it's a little bit paralyzing, to be honest, when you're starting to think. Now, a lot of clients are like, oh, I'm already on like the Salesforce stack. It's easy. I'm going to use Salesforce loyalty. And for a lot of clients, that works. Um, for others, they want to make sure that they have the best technology for what their program is designed to do. Um, and again, there, there are a few partners we found that can move quick. They can implement pretty quickly, get you to a beta quickly. And that's something that a lot of clients are looking for versus you know a six-month implementation, which a lot of CEOs aren't wanting to wait for these days. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that, that's great. And yeah, you know, certainly, you know, at the end of the day, you know, anything that involves data can always you know, have complexity and slow things down. So yeah, you know, thinking Absolutely. through that is, is critically important, at least from the experiences that we've seen. So you have your strategy, you're executing it's a strategy. You know, now it's time to talk about if it's working or it's not. Yeah. You know, so what are some of the you know, the major sort of KPIs and success metrics. I think about you know a traditional transactional you know, you know, you know, type of loyalty program where I'm earning my 250,000 delta points or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to think about what the measurement success might you know, there be. You know, total number of people engaged, enrolled, and then total miles accumulated or whatnot. Yeah, you know, but as you sort of think about uh, you know, this sort of next phase and next generation of loyalty you know, you know, systems and strategies. How do you think about measuring whether it's working and, and, and what's some of the motivation behind that? 
Yeah. In my mind, the main KPI, if we were to say, what's what's the one for loyalty serum? It's customer lifetime value, right? But there's so many different ways to look at that. I also think looking at the health of your customer segments is important, right? You can always measure how many people clicked through, how many people came to your site, how many people purchased, how many points they earned, expired, et cetera. But I think for us, so much of what we're trying to focus on is more shifting that to how does your customer segment respond? How can you start to identify those like risk factors? Or maybe it's a brand new customer and they've taken three actions that you say, oh, wow, they're going to be a very loyal customer. Let's you know escalate them quickly into this higher tier. So it's really instead of just those one-off channel metrics, looking at the overall health. And again, I think the lifetime value is interesting you know, at a macro level, but also within those the segments of customers you've identified to just see how you can continue to change and move people up into more valuable segments over time. The other interesting thing, you know, you bring up kind of like the the delta or the hotel points, right, where people are earning really massive volumes of points at a time. So um, we've done some almost like points liability modeling before, which is really interesting because there are certain uh, customers that are, you know, hoarders, they don't spend their miles. A lot of brands are able to take that, you know, modeling that's done from a points liability perspective and kind of put that back to the bottom line. So there's some really interesting ways to think about customers that are frequent burners who are infrequent burners, when you can start to predict when they're going to actually cash in some of their points and miles. And you kind of have to take a gamble, um, but it's an interesting way to look at it when you're talking about that volume, right? And like a Delta Marriott, it's very different than, you know, what you're doing with a cosmetic loyalty program or a a Petco, something like that. Yep. No, that's super interesting. Um, Cool. So uh, your final question before we get to the, you know, know, get to our bonus question around influencers and other folks you'd love to talk to about this topic. If you were to look at any of your Digitas customers or any brand that you also um, frequent as a customer, what's a great example of uh, a brand that's doing this well and, and why? Yeah, it's funny. I, I I did a little bit of a collective ask to my CRM and loyalty experts because I, I wanted to see what they would say as well. So some of the initial ones I wrote down, and, and there's different brands and different programs for you, you know what you're looking for. So Nike, right? Nike's kick ass. That's all about being a passionate, you know, fan. That's all about being passionate about sports and the products. And so I think they really hit on kind of that inner core of emotion. Um, right. I think at the end of the day, Nike's expensive. People don't care because they love the products and they love the brand. Um, then you have kind of the Sephora and Ultas of the world. Um, I think Sephora especially has done a fabulous job with how they do their tiers. Tiers don't always work, but they do a really good job of getting people incentivized to get into those tiers. They do samples, they do special offers. Um, they also have really moved into the event space, which I find really interesting and, and use kind of the Sephora program as a catapult for that. Starbucks is entering the Web3 space. I don't know if you've seen this recently, but um, they're going to be making some updates coming pretty soon. Um, And so I think it'll be interesting how brands start to use Web3, NFTs, and metaverse in a way that is functional and actually adds value. Um, There's a lot of opinions out there, right? Um, And then there's a few other ones we've noticed lately that are brands like an Elf Cosmetics, where they generally are selling in a Sephora, in a Macy's, in a Bloomingdale's, um, but they do have a D2C site. And they've done a really interesting way to kind of rewarding outside the box a little bit. They're nudging to D2C, but they still are realizing that a lot of their customer sales, they don't want to cannibalize their biggest customers within kind of the retail the retail industry. So what we're seeing with them has been really interesting um, over time as well. 
you know, the deltas and the Marriott's of the world. Like I'm, I'm a, very loyal to both actually just cashed in a bunch for a vacation. So there is the place for, I worked really hard and I, you know, hoarded my points and I stayed at all Marriott's and it's rewarding me. So I feel good about an upcoming vacation I could use all my points for. So listen, there's still a very good place for the earn and burn uh, programs in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. Great. So Melissa, final question. Um, you know, if you were to have this conversation around loyalty, uh, you know, with any executive, anyone in a leadership role, uh, you know, who who would it be and why? Yeah. So uh, we've thought about this a lot, as as you and I talked about. I honestly think Ariana Huffington is probably someone I I'd pick. Um, I saw her recently. I, I'm a member of Chief, and she came and spoke about Thrive and the company she's built. And I think what she's done to build two just absolutely enormous organizations, um, and especially Thrive, built more off of what happened to her, where she had um, burnout and she had some health situations from it, and realized that you can work hard, but still have kind of that balance of life. So I'd love to talk to her about what loyalty means to her, um, what programs she loves. I think it'd be interesting, again, kind of the change from Huffington Post over to Thrive. Uh, So I think she'd be a really interesting, um, badass female to have a a good loyalty discussion with. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a great example. And it's very much in line with the trends that that you sort of mentioned that you're seeing in the market. You know, loyalty is not about, you know, know, transactional point system anymore, although that can certainly be a part of loyalty. You know, it's really about building a connection with the brand, you know, for a greater purpose. Absolutely. Uh, And I think it's like that big loyalty. Yeah. Like, how do you just get people to buy your product? Period. Yeah, a hundred percent, and and you know, and doing so in a way, and, and with Ariana's you know founder story behind you know behind Thrive, you're doing so in a way that really you know has you know a very very personal connection that you know you know, you know extends into the brand and into the product and beyond. So we have to think about what she's done with Thrive. She has partnerships with um, Publicis Group, right? So my company has a partnership. She has partnerships with some of the biggest Fortune 100 companies in the world. And the reason they all kind of went for that is because of her reputation and the loyalty, big L loyalty she's built through her work at Huffington Post. So I think, you know, she she focused on who she as an individual is as a brand and that really helped extend her into having another successful business, of course. Got it. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. Great. So, so closing out today, uh, Melissa, thanks for coming on your podcast and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, you know, when, when I really reflect on you know the broader conversation around what loyalty is, it's really you know tracks you know a broader conversation around digitization and personalization, uh, and really just the new expectations from the consumer. You know, more noise than ever, more brands that are digital, and so many competitors who are just you know you know purely transactional and trying to compete on price and other things that you know, just don't ultimately drive LTV, you know, and brand affinity. Yeah. You know, ultimately there really is an emergence of a, of a new way, you know, that, you know, that you need to be thinking about engaging your customers, loyalty being, you know, a primary tactic within that and data being, you know, a primary vector of making sure that, you know, the personalization required to build a connection with your best customers is there. You know, so, you know, you know, from my perspective with the ability to unlock data, I'm tremendously excited about the potential, but, you know, there's still so much uh, work to be done across the board. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And I, I'm glad that, you know, Digitas, Simon Data, so many, uh, we're, we're lucky to work for companies that can help clients kind of hopefully achieve their goals and drive loyalty. But um, it's been an exciting evolution. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm been very excited that we've had more loyalty asks and that clients are really seeing the value and having some sort of program for their customer base. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. And Melissa, for anyone who wants to learn more about your group, about Digitas, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how can they do so? 
Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn, obviously the uh, great connector. Um, you can also go to digitas.com, check us out. And I am melissa.berger, B-E-R-G-E-R at digitas.com if you want to find me. Great. Uh, and thank you to everyone listening to this episode of the Data Unlocked podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, please visit us on the web at simondata.com or email us at hello at simondata. You've been listening to the Data Unlocked. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.